We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yes, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Dayas. At Nick Dayas 10 is where you can find me. At Veterans Minimum is where you can find all things VM. Big ups to the members of the Patreon. Support for Veterans Minimum comes from the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum. My guest today, on the other end, all the way from Queens, baby. Jay, what up? Queens, get the money. What's up, my boy? Good to see you. Good to hear from you. It's always it's always fun to connect with you, man. I uh we we got we've been friends now for a couple of years. We've uh had a lot of fun conversations both on the show and in private. And uh you're one of my favorite people that I've connected with in this uh sports media industry, dude. Yeah, that means a lot. I've I've never heard that from you. So like thanks for dropping it on me. I don't know if that was planned or anything, but like I know you're a genuine ass dude, so appreciate that. What you been up to, man? You know, we were speaking a little bit before we jumped on this. Uh, started a new gig. I've been there for two months. I'm at a OK Player, pretty much a hip-hop publication, not on the same scale as Complex, which is a different lane, covering, like, a lot of old-school, like, 90s. Think Tribe, De La Soul, Erica Badu, um, you know, a lot of shit that we grew up on. And it's been fun. So far, so good. Leading social, managing, like, three or four people. It's been a good time so far. Uh, I like what I'm doing and, you know, really good vibe. I had you on often. Uh, we were doing some of that AMP stuff. And we also did a pod that got a lot of love, dude. When we were comparing NBA players to World Cup stars, that, uh, that really? was... Really? Think about that. That blew up like that? Yeah, we had some, some videos, got some good views on social. And then uh, from a download perspective, that did pretty well. And I had a lot of people, because you know how it is, man, with major international soccer. You get a lot of casuals that tune in, which is dope. And I feel like with how great that World Cup final was, just to go back a little bit, I think a lot of people are going to stay with soccer, especially when you have a classic like that and having Mbappe and Messi, the two like icons of the game and that game in particular, actually put on a performance like they did. 
you could see a lot of people staying as fans. And I would get a lot of messages, bro. And they were like, dude, comparing this guy to Luca, and I'm not a soccer fan, but now I get it. Like, oh shit, this dude on Brazil is that dude, right? right. And making these comparisons and it got a lot of good feedback, man. I, I love that we put that episode together. That was cool because I know that was a little bit like last minute winging it by us and we did pretty well with it. The NBA. I uh, Now, after football ends, I like to pivot into the NBA. Uh, I, I would talk more NBA if the football season wasn't as crazy as it is. And I feel like both of these sports, the NFL and the NBA, have become 12-month-a-year sports. Like, there really is no offseason because some trade goes down. Someone wants out from where they're playing now to move to another destination. And then it's talking points for two, three, four weeks, even after the season ends. I want to start this. I want to start this conversation with you about the NBA with, and, and especially people like you in particular who are deep into the NBA and you love the NBA. How interested are you in regular season basketball? I, I love regular season ball. Like, you know, I'm watching every Nick game and I'm in a few fantasy basketball leagues. I feel like we've spoken about this before, more on fantasy football, but I'm in two fantasy basketball leagues, a lot of trash talking. Um, haven't won either of those yet, made it to the finals and have lost in both. So like, I'm definitely in tune with it. Cause I got to know who I'm picking up or like, if someone gets traded, who's going to get those minutes, um, you know, looking at the standings all the time. I definitely don't gamble as much because um, I feel like I'm always taking those, but I just feel like I need to tap in more of you, so I'm not taking those else. But yeah, I, I kind of love the regular season. Honestly, it's it's fun, it's a thrill, and it's it's something that I enjoy year in and year out. I'm gonna tell you the same thing I tell all my boys. I'm like, bro, y'all know me. Holla at me, bro. <laughs> if you need these bets, like, come on, man. Everyone gotta eat together. You know what I'm saying? It's like, bro, yeah. just <laughs> gotta tap in. Just tap in. I'm slacking. I'm slacking. Yo, fantasy basketball. Did I ever tell you the story about me with fantasy basketball? Nah. I played in one league one time. I gave up after two and a half weeks. Oh, my God. Oh, you did. You had Zion and it just... I remember. It was Zion's rookie year. I had the number two overall pick. I take Steph Curry. And it was the year Steph Curry got hurt. And then, like, I had Laurie Markinen, I had Zion. I had, I think my best pick was, like, Julius Randle. But, bro, of my first eight picks, seven of them were hurt. And, and the eighth pick oh was, was, like, Zion. And I didn't have Zion the first two and a half months. So, bro, I was getting smoked. So, I just paid the fan. I did the most, like, bitch-ass move ever, bro. I paid the fantasy league. I was like, yo, someone else got to run this team. I can't do it. I've never been invited yeah. back since. Yeah, I mean, that's Adam Bro of you, you know, like someone inherited the team, tried to make it, make it go. But, you know, talking point, now that you mentioned that, I feel like this year, and I don't know if we've seen it on a regular season standpoint, like not within fantasy or even DFS, it's the most injuries I think ever within fantasy sports. Like right now, currently, I'm rostering three or four people that are injured. And it's because I have a good position. I'm top four in the league. So, like, I could, I could lose some weeks. And playoffs in fantasy are in three weeks. So... It, it, it's tough, you know, like, and, and it's going to be a, a one week off with the All-Stars. So I'm like, all right, I'm hopeful, like, you know, Marcus Smart, I have him. Uh, Kelly Oubre, uh, Bobby Portis, Mitchell Robinson, like all these guys that have been hurt and they produce it for me all year. I need them to win the chip when it counts the most. 
So like I'm waiting on it, but it's kind of even itself out because everyone else is kind of doing the same thing, holding two or three injured players. And it's pretty ridiculous. I think it's the, the year with the most injuries in the NBA. Bro, don't get comfortable, son. Don't you dare start thinking comfy with that lead that you have because I was 9-1 yeah. in fantasy football, bro, a couple of years ago. Uh, was it the COVID? I think it was, the, it was the COVID year. So it was the first 2020. Yeah. I'm nine and one, most points for, and I'm talk. I'm just talking so much shit because I won the two years prior. So I'm like, yo, I'm a three peat, and I'm gonna quit the league. I'm never playing again with you bums. It's talking mad shit, wrestling memes. I'm taking like I used to do this thing where every time I won, I would take the fantasy belt and I would do like my version of like iconic wrestling pictures. So like Shawn Michaels yeah. holding the belt cried. I was doing that with my fantasy. <laughs> so I was trolling. I was trolling all the homies, right? And then what happens? Four injuries. I lose my last three games. I go from scoring like a buck 60 a week to 87. So I, I, I'm in a three-way tie for the bye weeks. And I end up... Going from the top seed all year, I go to the, the three seed. I got to play in week one, and I get smoked and all that yapping. So don't get comfortable, bro, because it's a long-ass season. Yeah. I'm warning you. It is. it is. No, I feel you. I feel you. I'm in fourth right now. I'm, I slid from second. So, like, I feel you on that. It's, it's two, three weeks left. Mathematically, I can't get eliminated. So, like, that's a good thing. But at the same time, I got to know when to cut base. So, like, if these guys aren't coming back by next week or the following— it's going to be time to start finding whoever's going to produce for me. The thing with the NBA regular season, and I know we were kind of like messing around talking about fantasy, but a lot of it does apply to fantasy as well, right? Especially with, with a lot of these injuries. It's, I think the problem that the NBA runs into, and at least for me, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this too, and from talking to a couple people in the Discord, some fans, and just running the idea by them, or just gauging their level of interest in the NBA regular season, it feels like a lot of the players and the organizations don't care about the regular season. Why should we as fans then care, right? Like last night, bro, I was hyped to watch. I'll, I'll make sure to tune in when it's Lakers, Celtics, Celtics, Nuggets, uh, Suns, Mavericks. When it's like a marquee matchup and I have league pass right. now so I can watch the Knicks since I'm no longer in New York. I try to circle throughout the week on my downtime, like, yo, you know what? This, this game on Wednesday might be dope. But then you look at it, Milwaukee yesterday plays the Celtics, and that's like the Celtics, what, C-plus team that they had? Yeah. So to me, that's the downside to it. Yeah, you want to rest your players, and you want to give them the chance to recover from nagging injuries that might linger the rest of the year. But at what expense are you diluting your product to your audience? Yeah, it's weird because I have a, a homie that's a Celtics fan and they decided to play the whole team versus the Pistons, but then rest their main guys versus the Bucks, which is a harder team, a better team. Um, it, it, it's weird. And it's weird that it's just the load management is normal now. It's accepted. It's not frowned upon. Um, there's way less back-to-backs now, um, you know, which obviously impacts fantasy too because it's less quality streams you can make in a week and a lot of people playing at the same time. So you try to not roster people on the same teams. So you always have someone going. Um, so it's like, like you mentioned, fantasy impacts, you know, regular hoops and then regular hoops and impacts fantasy. It's, it's a double-edged sword. And I've seen that a lot, especially this year. Um, and yeah, I, I've, I've 
speaking on how that's changed, you know, I feel like the players have wanted to rest more just because of those back-to-backs and there's even less back-to-backs now, but you're still seeing the same thing. So does it have to change? Maybe, maybe there is a way to improve the product or, you know, make sure that these players are playing on the road because people pay to see them. And, you know, like not everyone lives within a certain spot. So when Bron's coming to New York, you don't want to see him play. So you pay for that ticket or vice versa, whatever it is, it could be Giannis, it could be Luca. Um, but then sometimes coach just decides to bench him and like, yo, this is for the benefit of my team because we want to win a chip later, which is obviously the pinnacle and you understand it. Um, but so many factors and variables into making those decisions. Yeah, it's weird because you see it, you see it so often. And in the beginning, it was cool when like the Spurs were doing it. That became their thing when they would rest. But then now it's gotten out of hand. And I think the biggest issue that you run into is your consumer. And like you said, we only have one chance saying we, like I'm back in New York. But if you're, if you're in any city, you have one chance to see these stars come into town. And I feel like one way they could fix it is don't punish the road fan. If you're going to sit, sit at home. Because you have more yep. opportunities to see your guys play at home than you do on the road. If you're, a, if you're living in, in the New York area and you're a Jokic stan, or you're just a Nuggets fan, and you want to watch Jokic, he comes twice a year to New York, once at the Garden and once in Brooklyn. If you buy tickets and you plan in advance so you can get the ticket cheaper because you don't want to buy a week of or day of and you're paying out the wazoo, but if you want to buy something in advance, you're taking that risk. And, bro, tickets are expensive, especially in New York, bro. Like, to go to the Garden... I mean, even when the Knicks were trash, it'd be like $400 just to get into the building. And imagine you're Literally. paying this you're paying this money. If, if us two were like, yo, bro, Friday night, LeBron coming into town. Let's, let's pay some money. Let's, sit, let's get a nice seat. And we drop like $400 each. And then we're going to drink beers. We're going to eat over there. That's like $1,000 combined between us two. It's a lot like, of money, man. That's a lot of money, bro. That's like about half my rent. So, <laughs> it's so much money to me. Like I always plan to go like once a year because I know I'm a... I'm going to eat before. I'm going to drink there. I'm normally with someone. So, like, we're buying each other drinks. Like, I might get out of there with some memorabilia, whether it's for me or some siblings. My dad, he put me on with the Knicks. So, I always walk out of there with some new fire merch. So, it's just like, yo, after the ticket and you put all that into consideration, it's it's a head crack. And you can't do it so often. So, um, yeah, it, it's something to consider. Do you like that idea of of benching your guys load management to be done at home as opposed to on the road? I think it makes more sense, especially, you know, the, what we considered before is that you're going to play more games at home. It's an 82 game season. You're playing 41 at home. If you miss a game at home, obviously a fan will be upset, but at the same time, you might be able to come another time or, you know, you just chalk it up to like, all right, well, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it too, you obviously have the right to be tight. If, one of your favorite players, like if I'm going to see Brunson and he sits that day, I'm like, damn, that sucks. Like I might not come to this game because, you know, considering the Knicks, that ticket is ridiculous. So that might be my one game in the year and I'll be upset. But it just makes more sense if they're resting at home versus somewhere else because they don't get to see them that often. What is it like in conference? You're playing each other three or four times. And then if you're going to the West, you only play them twice, home and away. So it, it, it's a lot to to take into account, into accord. And if you're, 
I feel like another thing could be if you if you announce planned planned dates on the schedule that you guys are gonna rest. Like there are some spots. The more I think of it, like you could you could kind of highlight. Like yesterday was a surprise though with the Celtics benching against against the Bucks, right? Like you would probably do that yeah. against a Rockets or a Spurs, right? You're doing it. You know what, man? Our, our our B and C team could maybe get a W over these guys, but right to me, it's always whack when that happens because. It's a marquee game on the schedule, and it's a team that you're going to have to play in the playoffs when it matters. So why not get a better understanding of what your team could do against them, especially when they're at full yes. strength? You know, like if Giannis and Middleton and Drew, they sat yesterday. I understand the Celtics being like, yo, Tatum and, and all these guys, like, you guys could sit. We don't, we don't need you for this one. But if they're going full force and then you're not, it's a terrible product. Yeah, I'm curious if that's also a strategy play. Like, did Coach Joe Mazzula not want them to see their best players and their schemes up close and in person? Like, all right, you know, we're going to sit y'all now. We're going to, you know, have y'all watch the tape and not see it live and in person. Because I think that is going to be one of the matchups, if not the Eastern Conference Finals matchup, is a Bucks versus Celtics kind of situation. Because that's two of the better teams. They're always there. Um, they've been to the finals within the last couple of years, both of them. Uh, multiple times. So it's just like, is that a factor? Uh, not too sure. But, we, you know, we brought up that they played them versus the Pistons when the B team and C team could have done that. And mind you, last night's game was really competitive, went to OT, um, you know, surprisingly. But it's like, all right, it, it should it always be like this. No, is it? It's gotten very, very much so normalized. Yeah, and to touch on what you said about the Celtics and the Bucks, I think it's it's them two versus all in the East. Um, the pedigree of what we've seen from them the last couple of years. And, bro, like, I don't trust the Sixers. I just don't. Um, until proven otherwise, I think James Harden is just going to come up short in the playoffs because that's the MO of his entire career. And Embiid is a problem. We know that. But I think that they're kind of limited. I think when the going gets tough in the playoffs, it becomes very matchup specific. And I think them two are the cream of the crop in the East. And then, like, yeah, the Nets are 33 and 24 right now, but a lot of that was because they had Kyrie and Durant. I expect some regression there. One of the questions that I had, though, staying on topic with the East, is what team has caught your attention, whether it's good or bad? And for me, dude, it's Miami. Because I feel like Miami is a team that right now they're the sixth seed. They're 32 and 26. And collectively speaking, I feel like it's fair to say that they've kind of un underachieved this year so far. But we talk about yeah. we talk about experience and come playoff time. You're not going to want to play Miami, bro. They're going to be a tough out. They're annoying to play. That heat culture thing is a real thing come playoff time. And they yes. had a they had a big win against the Magic a couple of nights ago where they were down like eleven or like ten or eleven with four minutes left. Came back and won that game. And they're just a team where, yeah, there's a lot of wear and tear on these guys the last couple of seasons, especially a dude like Jimmy Butler. But, bro, they, they're just, they're battle-tested. And I feel like that team is a team that I'll always, I don't want to call them the Patriots because the Patriots won championships. But they're like a, they're like the Baltimore Ravens kind of. Like if you play them in the playoffs, you're going to get punched in the mouth and you're going to leave that game worse than you did coming in. 
And that's right. how I think of Miami and that Heat culture thing. So that's a team that you got to show love to, show respect to, and always take them serious. Yeah, I was going to say they are a tough out. I like the comparison to the Ravens because the Ravens are always a tough out. Um, you know, they might have their down years, but if you've seen them in the playoffs, they're going to come correct and they're going to give you everything they got. Um, but you, are you saying you're surprised with Miami or like impressed with them thus far? I hate giving you answers like this, but a little bit of both. I'm surprised because okay. coming into the year, I thought they could be a team that could definitely, you know, compete for like a top three seed. But it's it's more so just like trusting the infrastructure there, like top to bottom, ownership, management, coach, the players that have been there, done that. I just think it's a team that you got to, you can't forget about. Like if you're having your conversations for teams that I think can win a championship or, or win the East, it's like, yeah, it's the Celtics. Yeah, it's the Bucks, And in the, in the West, it's the Suns and, and, you know, Memphis and, and, and um, the Mavericks also. But it's like, oh, just, just don't forget about Miami is, is what I'm getting at, Jay. Yeah, no, I feel you on that. And it's, it's true though, because it's like, well, they play the Nets tonight. It's pretty important for seeding as far as the Knicks goes. Um, you know, like I think the Knicks with the Nets downgrading and making those trades, I think, you know, we can make that jump and it's important to pay attention to a lot of these games. It's like we're, we're approaching 20 games left in, in the NBA regular season. So, like, everything counts. And us, we don't want to do a play-in. Uh, I feel like we, we experienced the playoffs two years ago and it wasn't in the play-in. And we've seen how the play has gone. It's definitely good product. It's exhilarating, but it's stressful for us as fans. So that's kind of how I see it. And, you know, they had some struggles to begin the season. And they kind of have the same team. They haven't really changed much. They they made no trade, um, which was kind of surprising. Uh, I've heard stories on why that happened, but I don't know if they're true or not. But, yeah, I, I would say they're, they are a surprising team. And either, either way, if you see them in the playoffs, it's going to be a difficult out either way. And I'm curious what they do with that, whether it's like, are they going to blow it up if they underwhelm? Do they run it back and then just try to bring someone else? But it's something to watch because I was expecting a little bit more from them. And maybe that's just based on how they were performing before. What team has caught your attention, whether good or bad, or a team you want to show love to? The Sacramento Kings. I am... Still waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm so shocked they're a top three team in the West. I feel like most of our lives, we've known the Kings to be, you know, pretty trash. Um, you know, I mean, if you go back to obviously White Chocolate, Jason Williams, and C-Webb, and, you know, getting, getting fucked over by the Lakers in the playoffs, like, that's the only time we knew the Kings to actually be, like, a problem and, like, even you're walking through New York City and you're seeing the white and, and, and purple. I'm just like, this is fly. This is fire. But now the fact that they're a pretty young team and De'Aaron Fox is balling, they made that trade to get some bonus. And a lot of people were just like, yo, like, why they do this? And now you see the Pacers aren't doing as well. And they let go of their best player, Halliburton. To me, I think he's better than, than De'Aaron Fox, even though Fox is having a better season, I'll say, respectively. It's just, I wasn't expecting this out of them. I've been expecting them to not be in that predicament. Um, they're one of the better teams, if not the best team in California. When's the last time we said that? 
Uh, so I'm shocked. And I, I do want to see what they do with it. When it comes to playoff time, I feel like they lack that experience. So like they might get punched in the mouth, but it'll be a good experience because they're going to end that drought. I don't know how long that drought is, but they have not seen playoff basketball in a long time. But good for their fans. You know, like I, we deal with that as Knicks fans. So shout out to them. Yeah, it's been 16 years, bro, since the 05, 06 season. Because I, I did some NBA stuff a couple weeks ago with uh, my buddy Josh. He's uh, the host of the American Fan 365. And one of the teams that I showed love to were the Kings. And what's interesting about them, bro, is they they have a lot of guys that their team kind of just let go. And Sabonis, like you said. Herder, also, I always liked him as a rotational piece for the Hawks. Malik Monk has bounced around. He seems to have found a home. Harrison Barnes, we know about him when he got let go from the Warriors. And everyone laughed yes. at the contract when he got it because it was like, yo, that's a ton of money to give Harrison Barnes. But I think he's like that 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 vet on their team. And he's that dude that kind of is just solid across the board. And then, like you said, the Aaron Fox and Sabonis, they got two all-stars. Not many teams have two all-stars. And they're, they're yep. a young team. You're right. Like, come playoff time, it's going to be interesting when they do go up against a team that's battle-tested. But you definitely got to show the Kings love, bro. It's been a long ass time. Like you're talking about, you're talking about like the two thousand early two thousands was the last time where people were excited about the Kings. Twenty years, bro. Exactly. They're one of those like franchises across all sports that they're just on such the longest droughts. Like you're like, oh, which which teams haven't seen the playoffs, and then you just group together the worst ones, and they're always there. But they're about to change their fortune. Um, and I did want to mention one more because this was the one that I was going to drop is the Orlando Magic. I'm like pretty shocked with how good they are. I like watching them play. I like watching Bancaro. Um, I feel like they're a few trades away and they have the pieces to make the trades to like sure up their team and then get to a good spot. But they've just kind of been biding their time with a lot of the roster picks and keeping a lot of the same guys and. You know, they might end up getting another pick this year. I don't know who they'll end up getting there, but this draft seems pretty stacked. And I think they deserve some flowers and their love too because they've been the Celtics three times. And we were just showing the Celtics love <clears> being top two. And pretty shocked when they get those results. But they always play the Knicks pretty hard. Um, they almost beat the Heat the other night. And it, it just speaks to the culture that I guess they're developing. It's there. Uh, I see it and and I'm shocked by it, but uh, it's about damn time for them. You know what the problem with the magic is? Everybody's in their 20s, bro. Like, they have a lot of pieces, like you said, they can make a trade. They have a lot of assets that you could give up. But their oldest guy is Gary Harris and he's 28. And then everyone else is like 21, 22, 23. And yeah. it's cool. But also, bro, you need that you need that old head in the locker room to be like, yo, bro, you can't be out until three in the morning when we got a game the next day. You need like there's there's things that don't appear on the box score that need to be said and having leadership and and the OGs in the league to guide you. I think that's what the magic are missing. And I know it might sound funny to some people, but you need those guys, like you've heard stories of when like well, we saw it with the Knicks, right? Like Rashid Wallace, uh Jason Kidd, I mean. Like you had that grizzled vet that comes in and it's like, yo, this is what you got to do. This is how you got to be a professional. Yeah. And a lot of their guys that they rely on are just young dudes. So this is going to be a team that they could package to bring someone in. Now, that's also the problem because the Magic have never really been able to bring in a big name. It's always they've drafted them 
and then eventually they yes. leave, right? Like that's the history of the magic. And that's the problem with a lot of organizations too, where it's hard for you to keep your stars when you're a small market like this. But also on the flip side, it's like social media has kind of eliminated that completely, no? Where like the small yes. market, small market, big market doesn't really matter as much as it used to. Yeah, I would agree with that. I feel like it depends on the person or the player. Like, you know, KD kind of came here because it was a bigger market and I know he established like boardroom in here. So it depends on the player and what they're looking for. Like, you know, the bigger markets like LA, New York, obviously you're going to get more endorsement money, more more screen time. Um, but like you said, social media and marketing and, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't matter just as much because I feel like Ben Carroll is still going to get his deals and he's still going to get that love, especially if he just continues on the trajectory that he's on. Um, so yeah, I think it's, you can see it both ways. You mentioned Durant. I haven't had a chance to talk much about the trade that went down. I know we love it as Knicks fans because Next. we, we got tormented. We got tortured by our own media and bro, no one cares about the Nets in New York. I say this shit all the time. When, when I try to, when I meet people that are not from New York, I tell them, like, bro, Y'all care about the Nets. Like nationally, people care about the Nets because they had those right. guys. But in New York, yes. no one cares about them. And to have the New York media, like we saw all the memes because we bought into it too. Like, oh shit, we're going to have Kyrie, Durant, and Zion. And then we end up not getting Zion. And then Kyrie and Durant end up going to the team right next door. And then yeah. three years later, those dudes aren't even there, bro. How do you feel about this trade that went down with Durant and the Suns? Listen, bro. <laughs> I'm so glad that they're gone because it's not that I hate KD. I hate the decisions he's made, like going to the Warriors. I was like, ah, oh, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to join the best team. Like then following Kyrie, like that's kind of the story that we're hearing. And they were supposed to come here. And listen, I was up when the trade happened. I was in my group chats going in. I woke up. I had more of a field day with whoever was asleep. And then friends are just like, oh, why are you celebrating this? Like, did you win a championship? I was like, yo, it feels like it because they didn't want to come here and they didn't and they failed. Like three Hall of Famers on that team. Durant's on his fourth super team. You know, like you know, he's the only one with the Warriors. And I, and I, I like KD in the terms of basketball. Like he's such a great player, like especially even coming back from that Achilles injury. Mm -hmm. Like who does that? It was Don Wilkins before. And now he's playing at an MVP level, if he didn't get hurt, I think he would have been up there. Um, he had that 10, 12-game winning streak, the longest in franchise history for them this year. Um, so, yeah, like, I'm just thankful that's over. I'm thankful it didn't turn into anything. It was one playoff series that they won. It, it, it was definitely hurtful to our ego when that happened. And then the media and your friends are just like, ha-ha, Knicks, and you know, like, even if we didn't think they were coming, like, you'd see ESPN do the graphics with Katie in a jersey, Kyrie in a jersey, Zion in a jersey. And I'm just like, us, we know that's too good to be true. So we never, like, you know, buy into it, maybe a little bit. But the fact that he's gone now and he's on the sons of all, all teams, you know, it's just like fire jersey, first of all. Um, they're really good regardless, and they've been to the finals already without him. Um, I was listening to Ball Don't Stop today, and it's just like they can't swarm Book and, and CP anymore because they'll just kick it to Durant, and he's just going to cause havoc. Um, so, like, I'm kind of glad for him, all things considered, especially because 
he decided to follow Kyrie, and then Kyrie kind of just imploded, kind of how he always does. So good on him leaving the Nets for our sake and for his sake. Um, but that's a scary-ass team out there out west, man. Bro, you ain't kidding about him coming back from the Achilles injury because back-to-back years, he's averaging 29. And even that year with the the Nets, that first year, 26 a game. But he's shooting a career high from field goal. Field goal percentage career high, excuse me. He's so efficient. Super efficient. And that was the thing, bro, when he got hurt. At the time he got hurt, I think he was 30. And everyone was saying, oh, it's the end of Durant. And it's a hard injury to come back from. And I felt like I was in the minority at the time because I was saying to myself, and when we had veterans minimum at the time, we would have these conversations and I would say, I don't know if the Achilles is going to affect him as much as it would someone else because, yeah, he's explosive, but that's not his game. He's such a prolific scorer and a great shooter too for his size where he doesn't need to be a guy that's going to beat you with his speed and his athleticism. Yeah, he has that. But that's not what makes him great. So I felt like he was going to be just fine. The same thing I said about Klay Thompson when he got hurt, how it it didn't matter that he got hurt with the Achilles. Like, yeah, it sucks that it went back-to-back years and he blows out his knee too. But I'm saying like their game, it's not built on athleticism, which is why those kind of guys, like Tim Duncan, bro. Tim Duncan played the same speed his whole career. That's why he ended up playing for as long as he did. Yeah, I, w- I would say the only thing that you d- you do see that they lost is probably the the defensive side of it. Like KD is right. not that defensive person, and Clay was always like lock up Clay, um, you know. So now they're not that, but that's what you have a team for. Like let someone else handle that, and then let them play to their strengths. Like Clay is kind of b- rounding back into his form, and I think he's kind of back, even though he'll have like one stinker out of every like four or five games. Um, but Katie, like, never went anywhere. He didn't regress. He only got better um, playing to his skills and his strengths. And just being a jump shooter in this league and being so efficient is just so unheard of. It's, it's like, uncalled for, too. Like, damn, are you this are you this good? And he just continues to, to defy that Achilles injury. And, you know, good for him. Yeah, how much blame do you put on him for getting in the Kyrie business? Oh, he, he dove right in. He decided to partner with Kyrie, like, you know, like all this, oh, 1A, 1B, and oh, I'm finally with someone that could take the shot, and, you know, all this nonsense for for the media and to, like, prop each other up, only for Kyrie to do multiple things over the course of three and a half years, whether it's, you know, that Amazon documentary and, you know, pulling his post where he apologized right after he got traded to the Mavs, and, like, all stuff that could have been avoided and, you know, chalk it up to like, uh, it brings me back to Red Sox and Manny Ramirez, Manny being Manny. This is definitely a Kyrie being a Kyrie and he's never changed, never will change. And, you know, I do like people that are unapologetic themselves, but when you're getting in the way of your success, um, you know, good on us because we hated the Nets and it just made things easier for us because it's laughable now. Um, they're big failures. So, like, I'm kind of glad he went with it. Because, yo, think about if they decided to play across the water in the Mecca and this happened. We'd still be hearing about this. The trade happened a week ago. We'd still be hearing about this nonsense, which is which goes back to no one cares about the Nets because they didn't really care. If the Knicks did this shit, 
a whole nother story, a whole nother layer and so much nonsense. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, KD is fully responsible for diving into those waters. Um, he wanted to play the best friend, Carl, that's my boy. And he had to deal with it, unfortunately. So I'm sure he also saw like, damn, what would it be like if I went to the Knicks? Mm. It's crazy because I don't know if going in business with your friend is always the most optimal situation you get into, bro. It's, uh, it's a lot of people say that. I, I'm, I'm like never like for or against it because I feel like I've seen both. But I've heard more often than not, like working with your friends. It's like you can't be stern or like, you know, like you're normally buddy, buddy and you catch up to get away from work. So when you're at work. And you got to have those tough conversations, make those tough decisions. It's harder than it is easier. You know, like I don't work with a lot of, a lot of friends I grew up with. I've made friends along the way and kind of kept a few friends from different work jobs. But at the same time, it's tough. It's difficult. I mean, bro, you're talking to someone who, you know, the history of VM was five really close friends. And then through time, it's just like interest changed. Um, opinions change, desires change, and things happen, right? And even it, like you said, it's it's hard because eventually, like you know, I can't separate business and personal. I just can't because my my business is personal, at least for me. I don't yep. know if it's the most perfect approach to things, but this is what works for me, right? And I try really hard to. There are certain people that have not been on this show because I don't want them to have our relationship be tampered. There are certain people okay. who I won't put on the show because I just value that friendship so much. So to me, doing business with your friends, it's dope. It's, it's fucking awesome. But eventually, you know, something happens where it's a personal thing that's going to spill into the show or it's a show yeah. thing that's going to spill into personal. And it's difficult, bro. And you saw it happen with KD and, and Kyrie. You've seen it with a lot of guys who like hell, even LeBron and, and D Wade, when they went down to Miami, eventually like LeBron was looking at it like, wait, wait a little older, man. Them knees aren't the same. Like I gotta, I gotta be out. I love you D Wade, but yeah. I gotta be out. And that's what happened, right? He went back to Cleveland. He also went back to Cleveland because they were stacked at the time too. Like, he didn't go back to Cleveland because yes. they weren't good because they had Kyrie. But, bro, I always use this analogy. And it's like, when it comes to Kyrie Irving, now this is four teams in seven years. It feels even shorter than that because he didn't play home games. He got hurt. Like, there was a lot of things that, that went into that too. But, bro, at what point is he going to be accountable for his actions? Never. That's what it seems like, right? Because, <laughs> bro, and I, I, I said this a couple of years ago about James Harden. And it's like, it's not, it's not us. It's you, bro. It's the same thing with Kyrie. Dude, if in six years, I got married and divorced four times, wouldn't you be like, yo, bro, it wasn't the girl. You, you probably being a piece of shit, man. Right? Like, yeah. Four four times in six years, bro. You'd be like, yo, Nick, look, I, I fuck with you, bro. You're my guy. I love you, but you got some screws loose in your head. That's that's what it is with like James Harden, with Kyrie. It's the same thing. Like, bro, at what point is it you? 
Like, how many more chances we got to give you? So when I ask questions like, would you want to get in the Kyrie Irving business? I don't know if I would want to. Bro, he's an amazing talent. I think he's the best handler of a basketball I've ever seen. And I think he's better yeah. than, than AI. Like, AI is the guy that everyone was talking about. But I'm talking about just like, bro, there's games where it looks like he don't even care. And he's just running circles on, on like all NBA defensive players. It's crazy. But it's also like, at what point is your talent? At what point does the talent and the fuckery don't mix? And that's what I think it is with Kyrie. It's tough, man, because I, I will agree with you. And I kind of used to debate people on like best ball handlers or whatever. Like he's probably the most gifted and talented point guard that we've seen. And, you know, like it, it sucks that this personality trait or, or that's his biggest flaw is, you know, like he just isn't on the court sometimes or there's injuries or it's just like him deciding to take vacations or, you know, just being problematic. He's a very problematic person outside of when he's on the court and that's just don't play. Like you got to be able to do both, um, you know, so although he's talented and I'm look, really looking forward to seeing how the summer plays out with him. Like I think he'll end up on the Lakers, but I also think he's going to want his money and, People are not going to want to give him four years. Is it going to be a year-to-year type of thing? Is it going to be a two years instead of four years? So, like, I'm not too sure how that plays out, but it's going to – everything that he's went through is going to factor into his next contract, and I think that's when he's going to feel it the most because at a certain point, you don't have leverage anymore, whether it's your age, your talent, your skill, um, and, and that's approaching for him because he just had such a bad tenure with the Nets. I think he averaged anywhere between 30 and 40 games there. That's, that's not going to fly anywhere. Who's going to want to sign you for four years knowing that you're a part-time player? Yo, you're absolutely right, bro. And that's exactly it. Like, if you're going to give him this money, which he's deserving of. If we're talking about just the talent, yeah. no question. But it's like you said, he's going to miss some time. He's going to just randomly decide, like, yeah, I ain't talking to the media. I don't want to do this anymore. I got, uh, I got offended by what they asked me, and now I'm going to sit out because I don't want to play. And like you said, he's playing 30, 40 games a year. It's, I don't know if I would want to. I think the most optimal thing for him would be to do what LeBron did the last couple of contracts where it's like two years with a player option for year three. It's like, I get that big money. I'll get 80 million. I'll get 90 million. But anything long-term, I think you'd be foolish if you're an organization to give him that because this is what he showed us. And bro, the other thing that's crazy is like the, the makeup of the NBA superstar nowadays is like, you sign, you get this extension, 200 million, five-year contract. And then 18 months into it, you're like, yo, I ain't happy. I want out. That's like, bro, like, what, what are we going to do? KD did it. Didn't KD just sign last summer? Bro, KD you did know? it. Harden's done it. Kyrie's done it. Like, guys, guys aren't doing this often. They're just like, yo, I'm out. And it's like. Yeah. That's the new NBA right now. And it's like, you can sign that extension and, and it won't matter. You know, like Giannis might be one of those next that doesn't. He's just like, yo, I've done a lot for y'all. Like, it's time to go. Um, so that is normal. And I was going to float this question to you. Um, I had a combo with my buddies, and I was saying I don't think Kyrie gets maxed ever again. Do you think he'll gonna get another max contract? I think he will because people are going to talk themselves into it. And that's going to be a mistake. But someone... some. He's really talented, bro. And someone's going to talk themselves into it and he'll probably wow them in a meeting and he'll make promises like he's done everywhere, right? Like the famous thing he said to Boston, like, I'm not leaving if, if they want me. 
I'll be here. And like, he said the same thing along the same lines to the Nets. And then, yeah, before you know, he wants out, right? So someone's going to talk themselves into it. Bro, if you're talented and no matter what, people are going to put up with your BS. But eventually, those same people are going to be like, I can't deal with this no more. But if it's a new thing, yeah. it's a new fling, it's that new hot chick that you're dating, you're going to put up with a lot of it. But then eventually, it's going to be like, man, I just can't deal with this no more. That's going to happen to a team that's going to get into the Kyrie business. I feel you. And I was on the side that he wasn't. I was really adamant. But this kind of came up. I don't know if you peeped it. It, it might have been within football, baseball, basketball. But some teams aren't trying to win. And if you just want them on your team to sell jerseys, tickets, um, notoriety, media, like he's going to have people asking him all the questions. They're going to flock all the time to see him. Um, So that's kind of the only way I see he would get a max is like a team that really doesn't want to win. But then does that speak to him and his legacy? Like, is he going to be like, all right, I'm fine with not winning anymore? Or is he going to be one of those, I'm cool with not ring chasing, let me get this bread, like I won one ring already, and I am who I am, nothing's going to change my legacy or, or, or that. Because I don't think anything can impact his legacy. He is who he is, and I think this last stint with the Nets will put that you know stamp on like who he is. Because he just has, he's unwavering, mm. unapologetically himself, I mentioned it uh, earlier. And, you know, is it going to mess with his bag? Is it going to mess with the teams that are going to want him? Is he going to end up being like one of those people that the Magic end up getting? Because they're like, yo, we need someone like you and, and we could pay you. Or are you going to go to the Lakers or stay with the Mavs? So that's what I'm most interested in when it comes to Kyrie. Because I feel like now that he's not on the Nets too, I don't have to hate as hard as I did. Because, um, you know, when it comes to sports, I'm definitely a hater when it comes to a few different things. And, you know, it makes it fun. Um, I, could, I could be honest and open about that. But now that they're not in the Nets, I feel like I could pump the brakes a little bit more, think about it take a step back. And, you know, like we said, he's a really talented and gifted player, but I think everything that's happened to him over the course of his career, whether it's how he dealt with Ron in the beginning to how his New Jersey, net, uh, New Jersey Nets, they should have stayed over there. How his <laughs> Nets did, um, you know, so like, let's see where it goes. And we're going to find out as soon as this summer. Dude, you asked a hell of a question, bro, about, how how many teams do you think actually care about winning and how many are just like, let's, it's a business too, right? Like, let's make sure we're not in the red and we turn a profit this year. And that's one way yep. where you can see something like that playing into the mix of, yo, we haven't had a star. Let's bring him in here, sell some jerseys, get some butts in the seats. And mm-hmm. I wonder, bro, like, off the top of your head, how many teams do you think actually care about winning and how many are about the bottom line? I want to say I think there's I want to say that there's more teams that care about the bottom line than winning, bro, across like sports yeah. in general. I think so. I was going to say like most leagues have anywhere from 30 to like 32 teams and there's always the same teams in the playoffs usually, always the same teams that are in the finals and for the NBA it's like about five to eight teams that have won the finals within the last 20 years. Um, So it's like, think about those other teams. They're just like out of it always have to find a way to make the product good, to seem like they care, to seem like they're in the mix, whether it's a trade that doesn't make sense or signing a player that doesn't fit. Um, It's definitely probably the top 10 teams in the league. And that changes all the time that care the most or that are in it. And then the other 20, regardless of the league, is just like, 
all right, maybe we'll have a Cinderella year. Maybe we'll have a year where it's like, wow, it finally showed that the, the picks and the stability and the structure of the organization is finally coming into shape. But do they care about winning? It, it, a, lot of, a lot of teams don't. They really don't. I'm going to do a deep dive on that, bro. I'm really curious to see, like, how many teams consistently are in the playoffs and are making these, like, championship runs. And then you wonder, like, a team like... That's why it's interesting what happened with Phoenix because they're historically a pretty cheap organization. Like, they very rarely go out and, and sign someone to a big deal. And obviously now they got new ownership with the controversy that went down with, with the old owner. But... It's fascinating, bro. Like, like Mark Cuban is a guy who strikes me like, yo, I want to win, bro. Like, I want to win. Mm-hmm. I, and, and he'll do whatever it takes. That's why he made a move like this for Kyrie. It's going to be fun. And, and, dude, we were excited to see Suns Mavericks in the playoffs anyway before this, right? Because of their yeah. beef that they have. Like, that's, there's some real hostility between the two of them, which nowadays you don't really have that in the NBA. Everybody's all lovey-dovey and, and they're all boys. But... You saw some animosity between the two teams, especially getting your ass beat at home like they did in that in that game last year to eliminate the Suns. And now you add the Kyrie versus Durant dynamic. If them two play each other in the playoffs, that's going to be must-see TV, bro. Yeah, and I think they're 4-5 right now, so that'd be a first-round matchup. And Oof. although we want that to be a conference finals matchup, I'll take it in the first round. I think all series are seven games now, so it's just like, why not? And I think that's one of those marquees that, like, we need it. And I would love to see that. The Twitter handle is at that guy, JT. My man, always thanks for, thank you for coming on. Appreciate your friendship. I appreciate you giving me your time. Let the people know if there's anything else you want to plug. The floor is yours. Yeah, that guy, JT, Instagram and Twitter. Um, Follow us on OK Player as well. That's my new spot. And I do want to take this because we didn't get to dive into it. But shout out to my boy, Jalen Brunson, man. He should yeah. be an all-star. I hope he gets the all-star nod. He's putting up like 30, 40 a night. Um, they called him overpaid. The Mavs didn't want to pay him and they ended up trading for Kyrie, which ends up being really similar to what they already had. You know, like he gave them a shot to sign him even last January. He's like, yo, I'll negotiate with you in season. And they were like, no, 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 I'm good thankful that they didn't do that because now we got our point guard. We haven't had that in such a long time. And I'm just so happy he's in orange and blue. And you just, you could just see our trajectory is like stable and on the up versus stable and erotic. Like, you know, like we're very a convulsive franchise, but he's providing that stability. And uh, I know we're logging off, but do you think he's the best signing in Knicks franchise history? I mean, bro, it's hard to dispute that. Like, actual signing and not a trade. Like, they traded for Melo. I would say that one was pretty impactful when right. he came in. And Amari was dope for those first 50 games. And then after that, it was, oh, my God, we got to pay Amari another $25 million. But yep. I think I think he's turned a lot of people's heads because everyone knew how good he was. And there was always these, like, advanced analytics that, well, yeah, he's, he got a big contract, but... If you look at Luca off the court, his numbers, like he averaged like six more points a game and and like his usage was obviously higher without Luca. But yeah, man, it's it's definitely for sure. And it's a position that we've needed for two decades, like even longer. So 
fact it, that, fact I would say it's only Houston, Allen Houston is the only one that I can think of that you could be like, all right, Houston is the one that we can put him up there with the best signing in Knicks history. Cause like we got him from the Pistons and that's when we just kind of took off and made those runs. But I'm going to subjectively put JB over him right now, just because where we're at, how long the drought was, how long the instability was at one of the most important positions on a basketball team. And, you know, he, he's really that guy. Call him Brunt's him, you know? And bro, we've seen him in, in big spots in the playoffs, not back down from other elite point guards, which is something I always look at. When you go mano and mano with a dude that's at your position and you don't back down, like to me, that that's what makes you elite, in my opinion, at least. Like whether it's quarterbacks, whether it's uh, a forward going up against another forward, like like a Messi and Mbappe thing. It's like, nah, bro, I'm a part of this conversation for a reason. So it's going to be fun, man. I hope he gets a nod uh, so he could get some recognition from a, a national standpoint, because we appreciate him in New York, but from like a national standpoint, for him to get more love than just being the guy that was the the Robin to Lucas Batman. So it's going to be fun, man, as we uh, wind down the NBA season after All-Star break. Uh, if I could give anyone any advice, if you've been listening for years, bet the over in the All-Star game. It's, uh, it's hit, bet it as soon as it goes up. Because uh, last year, what happened, bro, was it opened up at 312 points. It closed at 328. And it went under. If you bet it like an hour before the game, you lost. If you bet the over. So you got to bet it the moment you see it available. You got to bet it. It is, I don't want to say it's a sure thing because there isn't in sports betting. But 18 of the last 21 years, it's gone over in the All-Star game. So that is like close to 90%. Um, I'm giving you free bars, bro. You want to not take L's on, yeah, yeah. on these apps. We spoke about it, and I'm going to take this as my first uh, token of advice from you is to bet over as soon as that goes live. So I'm going to look for that, and I'm going to put that bet in. All things Veterans Minimum can be found at veteransminimum.com. Jay, you're the man. I appreciate you. For everyone listening, thank you for the support last week. It was a big week for the brand with uh, three episodes, some UFC, a lot of Super Bowl stuff. Thank you all for sharing that. Continue to do so. Tell people about the show. Tag your friends, the whole nine. We will catch you guys next time on VM. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.